Hello and welcome to the Business of Authority. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And today we're going to ask the question, or answer the question, is hourly billing really nuts? (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't resist raising this. The question came up in in my Authority Nation group coaching, and um, I just thought we, we could have some fun with this. Yeah, we haven't talked about this in a while, and I've been banging on uh, about cost and price and value on my daily list recently anyway. I've been talking about this stuff a lot. Uh, and the question does sometimes come up like, like, okay, yeah, in a perfect world, you would be pricing stuff instead of billing for your time. You'd be pricing either productized services or you'd be pricing a project or you'd be pricing products. So, but, but yeah, that's a goal, right? Like I can still work hourly when I first start or is, is there are there certain industries where you just have to bill by the hour and you know is it does, is there or ever certain like, clients because I'm just going to get taken advantage of if I don't do the hourly with them right like is there is there um, do I get a pass are there certain situations where I get a pass and in in the abstract no it's always nuts <laughs> if you <laughs> If you know what you're doing, if you're good at what you do, not even the not, not saying best in the world, but if you know what you're doing and you know you're good and the things that you do and you have happy clients who've been paying you by the hour, however they've been paying you, then yeah, it's nuts because you can deliver results. Like you know you're good at your thing, it produces positive outcomes for your clients and you should be pricing the positive outcomes, not the amount of time it takes you to deliver those outcomes, because you're only gonna get better at it and faster at it, and you're never gonna be able to raise your hourly rate fast enough to keep up with how much better you're getting. So, it's a treadmill. Right. Are there scenarios though, specific scenarios, where I have said to somebody like, look, I'm not going to scream at you if you keep billing hourly or, you know, if, or there's some kind of sensible, is, is there some scenario? Like, what are the edge cases where, where Stark would be like, nah, it's like, yeah, keep doing that. Oh, and let's hear that. What's, it, what are your edge cases? Yeah. So one, one that has come up from time to time over the years is when I'm, wor- I'm working with someone who knows they're on a treadmill and they want to get out of it, but they, they're they're actually doing very well hourly, you know, on the high end of what you can do hourly. So mm-hmm. maybe, you know, 200K a year, but they're working a lot. You know, maybe they're, you know, 150, $200 an hour. Uh, I've worked with a couple of people that started out even higher than that. Um, and But they get, but they're absolutely, they have absolutely no, they're not positioned as anything. They ha- They do no business development. They have no mailing list. They have no podcast. They strictly do client work that they get usually through agencies or through a marketplace like Upwork or TopTal or something like that. And they can kind of turn on the money spigot whenever they want because they've got a five-star rating or or they get lots of word of mouth or something mm. like that. And, you know, or they're like, they, they have one or two agencies where they're the go-to person for the thing that they do that the agency just doesn't have the capability and the agency is always calling them with more work but you know so for folks like that that are just completely starting from zero in terms of any kind of positioning uh, and are doing really well on an hourly basis or at least they're not uncomfortable they see the trap but they're also scared to take a big hit but they like the promise of not working like a dog all week 
uh, and, and you know not feeling like they're losing $200 an hour when they aren't working any hour they're not working they're on vacation I'm like losing money playing with my kids I'm losing money you know I'm going out with my spouse I'm losing money you know they, they don't like that feeling and they want to get rid of it so uh, in that in that particular case which I have seen you know a couple times a year probably for the past several years what I would say to the person is like use use the the hourly well, and the question they sorry, the question they usually bring to me is like, how do I switch these clients over to some kind of a fixed price thing? <laughs> right? Yeah, exactly. It's not happening. Mm-hmm. It's not going to happen. So, but what I what I would say is, if you haven't got a bunch of money saved up and you're gonna, you don't want to stop, turn off the money spigot, you know, cold turkey, then what you what you have to do is start doing some kind of market research or positioning or something brand something you need to figure out what you stand for and all of that start from scratch stuff that you talk about in your book and we talk about on the show all, you need to start doing that stuff and mm-hmm. and you got to make time to do that so uh, what i would say to them is like you got to limit it's going to be hard to do this but you have to limit the hourly stuff to like 20 hours a week you need to have like 10, at least 10, but ideally, I mean, five is not really enough. An hour a day is barely enough. So you need probably like two hours a day or like two days a week when you can work on your business. And then, you know, two days a week when you're doing client work, this hourly client work and try and keep the client, the hourly stuff that's coming from the agencies or Upwork to a maximum of 20 hours a week, which is still a pay cut because they're working 40, mm-hmm. but it's not cold turkey. So that's, that's one edge case, but you know, that, that I've been like, well, keep billing by the hour, but just use that as keep the lights on money, cash flow, while you try and get this flywheel that's at a dead stop, try and get this flywheel starting to turn and then spinning on its own. Well, and what might, you know, again, it depends on their specialty and how they're getting the work and if it's, you know, all coming from one source, but they may be able to increase the hourly rate on those 20 hours. So they're not taking, you know, half a pay cut because I found a lot of people are really scared, whether it's a flat fee or an hourly rate to raise it. It just feels very vulnerable. And I'm talking about in the future, not just with your current clients necessarily, but Mm -hmm. sometimes that can make a big difference while you're working on the next thing. But Rochelle, if I double my rate, I'll lose half my clients. (laughs) Darn. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, it's the gilded hamster wheel. Yeah. But, but the only way to get off is to get off is to, Mm -hmm. you know, take a step towards getting off. Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay with weaning yourself off of it and transitioning. That's fine. Yeah. Trouble with that, though, and I do like the idea of going back to to your whatever your source of leads is, whether it's Upwork or or one of those places or an agency. I do like the idea of just going back and and significantly increasing your hourly rate, and you're automatically going to get fewer. Probably unless your unless your hourly rate is like comically low, you know, like if you way underpriced the value that you've been delivering to these people, then. They, you might not lose anybody, but but you might lose one or two, and that will automatically cut down your hours without the commensurate loss of income. So that that's a actually that's a great idea. I, I don't think I normally have. I, that's a great idea. I'm going to incorporate that into my transition <laughs> plan for hourly. People. You're welcome. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Um, another another time that that you raised before the show that I think it's forgivable or understandable that someone would immediately start with an hourly rate is when a corporate employee decides to go solo classic 
Yeah. And you've got more experience with that than I do, but I can see it. I mean, they've probably as in their role in the corporation have probably been hiring consultants by the hour. And so it just seems like natural that when they go solo, that that's what they would do. Like they don't even, we wouldn't even conceive that there's another way to do it. Well, and it feels like there's so many sources, resources, websites that talk about, okay, you're going to be a freelancer now. What's going to be your hourly rate? Here's the formula. Here's how you figure it out. I mean, you really have to consciously look for alternatives to not start out hourly. And, you know, the the easy story is after a a year or two, you get knocked around enough and you start going, all right, there's got to be a better way. And then you start finding people like us and others that are talking about this and you go, huh, Mm -hmm. okay, maybe it is worth digging into my brand. Maybe it is worth figuring out exactly who I'm serving. But Mm -hmm. it's, I've just found it's a very rare person who comes right out of corporate and says, here's the model. I'm going to do productized services. Here's what they are. Boom, let's go. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. That's and a the, tough one. Mm-hmm. They should, they should you send, send your corporate friends my book, everyone. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> if I like, I don't buy ads, but if I was ever going to buy ads, it would be, I would advertise against the, the search term, what should my hourly rate be? And the yeah. ad would be hourly billing is nuts. And just like straight to the book. <laughs> exactly. So, right. The, I, I, the the those hourly pricing calculators are just they just kill me it's yeah. like put in all of your expenses and like divide your current salary by blah 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 and add in all these expenses it's like wait a second it you know like what if you well i live in new york i have a comic about this where like the 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 new freelancer the wannabe freelancer is trying to determine their hourly rate and and they're asking the calculator and the calculator is saying uh well you know, where do you live? Well, I, I mean, right now I live in Kentucky, but I want to move to New York City because that's where all the good clients are. And so that'll be like 2000 bucks a month. And, and I need to have a Tesla so I can get out of town on the weekend and just like make all of these like huge, this ex- totally expensive lifestyle. And then you're going to need, you know, $500,000 a year to support and then divide that by how many hours you want to work. And it's like, oh, my hourly rate's $400 an hour. It's like, it doesn't know. It does like, why would anyone <laughs> feel obligated to pay you some amount of money per hour because you decided to have a really expensive lifestyle. Yeah. And it's well, like, and there's this other thing that happens with hourly rates too. I mean, when I first got into consulting, my hourly rate in a big firm was $70 an hour, which now is laughable, but that was it then. I felt so guilty every time I recorded time because I'm <laughs> like, oh, at $70 an hour, I should be faster. I should know how to do this. And I remember my mentor took me aside and he said, put down all of your time. He said, $70 is like the lowest rate we have (laughs) for professionals. And he said, you won't, if you don't record it, you won't know. And you'll surprise yourself a year from now with how much you've learned, record it. And so the problem with that thinking is still to this day, when I think about a project, I can't help dividing it by how many hours it's going to take me and looking at kind of like the the assumed rate. It's like it's it's buried in my brain all those mm. years. And I, you know, do I use that to calculate my stuff? No. But do I use it when I'm working with clients to say, okay, let's just take an example. Like, how does this look? What does this look like? And you can uncover a lot of internal fears about value and worth and um, 
yeah, I think hourly rates just exacerbate that inner discussion about right. whether or not you're worth it. Yeah, and, and to be clear, I don't think it's I don't think it never makes sense to think about how many hours something's going to take you to do just to make sure that you want to do it. I would my point is don't base your price on that. So Exactly. Right. So I I with project work, I reverse engineer the whole thing and it took me a long time to get to this point, just like you're saying, it's like pretty deeply ingrained to not think about the scope first, but to think about the scope last. So if you, you know, not to go down this rabbit hole, but you know, if you, if you get a sense of the value to a client of a, of a project that you can contribute to, you can help them move the needle on this big project and you, you just reverse engineer the hours. So you're like, okay, well, this overall project is worth hundred grand per year to this client. I'm going to give them three prices, 10,000, 22,000, 50,000. Now, hmm, what could I do for $10,000 to help this client move the needle? And yeah, I'm going to be thinking about hours at that point, but I set the price already and I'm reverse engineering how many hours I'm going to put into it for me to be fist pumpingly happy to get 10 grand for it. Mm-hmm. So I'm probably, you know, if it's going to take me 40 hours, I'm, it's like, no, that doesn't fit that 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 those that uh, effort doesn't fit inside of that budget. I only have ten thousand dollars at this tier. So what can I do that I'd be super happy to do for for ten thousand dollars? I'd probably do it for seven. I might even do it for five, but I'll definitely do it for ten. You know, at, like if I if it was lower than five, I'd start to walk away and then think about scope. What can I do for ten grand that will help move this needle for the client that I'll be super happy to do? And that it could take me twice as long and I still wouldn't care. Mm-hmm. So it's not it's not like you never think about hours. It's more like you think about them last just to make sure because that is your that's your cost, right? We don't we don't yeah, buy two by time. fours and yeah, we're not buying nails and two by fours to, to build there's no materials cost. So it's always time. So you that and that's the sort of the that's your cost. Like how much do I want to air quotes spend to get this ten thousand dollars so yeah Yeah. you just yeah Yeah. you just don't base the price on the hours you you base the hours on the price it's a giant difference yeah well it's also you know i've been talking a lot about this sort of my new definition anyway of wealth which is you know your ideal balance of money time and flexibility and that's what you just walked us through it's how much time do you have to spend to get a certain amount of money and then i would just add to that how flexible is it Right? Can you do it on your time? Do you have to be in Caracas to deliver it? Um, <laughs> you know, do you have to? Yeah, it's and and you know, and then of course there's the outcome and the fun factor and all of that. But that you make those core decisions typically on money, time, and flexibility. Yeah, that's a good point. It's not because the cost the cost isn't just the time. That's the big one. But there are also uh, other intangibles like how much fun it is to work with the client or how torturous they are or Mm -hmm. you know all the other things like like there are going to be things that i will have to do that i love doing like you know flying to the cayman islands or 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 maybe i hate flying to the cayman islands and i and i that makes it even worse Uh, or i need to maybe it's not a travel thing maybe they're a local client but they really want me on site and i can't stand going on site or vice versa Mm -hmm. i love going on site because i just i haven't been around people i would like i like to be around people get out of the house i can work better in an office scenario than at home so all of these intangibles all factor into it and and the way i have people calculate what I call a walkaway price is to to just to 
sort of have consider all these things. I would ask all these questions and say, well, you know, what are, what are the different pros and cons of this particular option or this particular engagement? And, and then I throw prices at them to just have them react to. So we'll sort of talk about what an engagement would entail. And I usually do this for productized services, not projects, but for a productized service, someone's thinking about doing, and I'm just looking for a walkaway price. I'm like, okay, what are all the things that you'll have to do? What kind of clients are you looking for? What kind of clients would you work with and wouldn't work with? And we get a we get a real, you know, a reasonably strong view of what all isn't wouldn't be entailed in this particular kind of engagement. It's time box, whatever, all that stuff. And then I'll say, well, would you do that for five thousand dollars? And I watch their face, or I just listen listen to it in their voice, and they're just like, oh hell yeah, or they're like, no way. Mm-hmm. So then I like, what about ten thousand? What about two thousand? And I, and I quickly, very quickly, just bounce prices off them to get their gut instinct of what the break, away, break the walkaway point is, the break-even price. Mm-hmm. And so if it's, if it's $2,000, you say, okay, so your walkaway is $2,000. All things considered, the time, the effort, the stress, the emotional components, you'd be, you'd, you wouldn't do this for a penny less than $2,000. Like, no, nah, no way. I'm like, all right, so you need to price it at least at... 3000 but probably 4000 and then like okay so now how how are we going to describe the value that that a product productized service like this could deliver to a particular kind of client so that $4000 is a no brainer for them mm-hmm. so that's not value pricing what i just described is not value based pricing that that's i would call yeah. it cost based pricing but with a serious markup you know and it's ta- it's taking time into account but it's also taking in all the other intangibles around this kind of work uh so yeah, anyway. But I, I can work. see that as a logical process from hourly billing, right? Oh, okay, mm-hmm. I think I want to do a productized service. How should I price it? Walking through that exercise is really helpful the first time you do this. And mm-hmm. be, and what's interesting is a year after you do this, the guy that said, oh yeah, 2000 is going to go, no, 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 no. Yep. I wouldn't do this for a penny less than five. Yeah, and they can do it twice as fast. Mm-hmm. So the the trick here is like like value value pricing is perfect. It's like the it, it's the ideal method for really hitting home runs, like hitting a huge home run. So if you if you deliver lots of value to your clients, you are you're not just an expert at what you do; you're an expert at delivering the transformation that your skills enable in your clients. And you can just hit home runs for people that, you know, especially people who have a, you know, larger and larger business, there's a lot more dollars involved. Value pricing can get you into the stratospheric heights of sort of mutual profit, mm-hmm. but it's not the only fixed price approach. And if you're new to all this, to pull it back to like, you know, an edge case where some corporate is leaving to go solo and they only have heard of like like hourly billing, it's the only thing they even thought of. Productized service is a great way, regardless of where you're coming from, it's a great way to get off of the treadmill into something that's not as complicated to price as a value price project, but does break the trading time for money door open so that you can do exactly what you just said. So like a year from now, you're like your walkaway prices, you've raised the price every single time you sell one, and now you're up to like $10,000 a pop. And you can do it much more quickly. You've taken out stuff that the clients generally don't value that were, was a lot of work. You've optimized your system. You've got everything down to a science. And yeah, and, you, and, you're, and you've got a stream of people coming in to buy it. 
it also removes the temptation that I think is, is is hiding behind this, which is when you bill by the hour, client says, okay, I want you to do this. Okay, I'll go do this. You know, whether it makes sense to the project, whether it makes sense for how you like to work, um, when you do a productized service versus hourly, you've figured it out. And so when they ask you to do this other thing, you say, no. That's not included. No. It's not included. Yeah. And it's also an easy no when somebody comes to you and they want something, you know, you have a column A and a column B and they want something in a column F that you don't have. You're like, no, it's A or it's B. There is no F here. (laughs) And what that does for you as a practitioner is it gets rid of a lot of extraneous BS. I mean, it really does because you are hyper-focused on delivering the things that you are really good at delivering and where you feel like you can, um, if not guarantee, hopefully we're talking guarantees, but you you can give your client a high probability of the outcome that they're anticipating. Right. Yeah, it makes it easier for you to hit a home run, to, Mm -hmm. to deliver positive ROI, to get a great testimonial. You know, the, the promise was this and the, and the promise was kept and we are delighted, right? So, you know, the client picking something from column F, a non-existent column F, it doesn't really, I mean, I'm not going to say it never happens, but when you've got a really, really clear productized service, it's not going to happen that often. The, you, you, the engagement yeah. isn't set up for that kind of expectation. It's, it's very, you, the productized service would be very clear to the the buyer what they're getting or should be you know very clear mm-hmm. what they're getting and, and the idea of i don't know asking your lawyer to mow your lawn is like oh i'll pay your out <laughs> your, i'll pay you the 200 dollars an hour it's like it's, it's like no i'm i'm getting your estate in order i'm not gonna mow your lawn well so, you're, you're you're building grooves in the ground yeah. you know and they get a little deeper and it's obvious where they are and you don't get out of the groove mm-hmm. okay so yeah, it, it, I could talk about all of this stuff all day long, but to get it <laughs> to to pull myself back to the topic of like, what are the other edge cases for hourly where I would I wouldn't blame you for doing hourly. Another one is if you're if you're just so new that you're actually not that good because because if you're really not that good, then you're not going to get much benefit out of any of the other approaches. And even as I say that, I'm like, well, but if it would be a quicker path to getting good if you had productized services, to be honest. But yeah, it does require some experience with some kind of market to understand what you would even make. So unless you had some kind of insight into a market, uh, I could kind of see like, I don't know. you. <sighs> oh, I can think of some examples here, actually. Yeah, go for it. Go for it. Well, you know, when the economy was so, so bad, and some would argue it is again, but in 2008, there were a bunch of new grads that were coming out of design schools, and they couldn't get jobs. And so they would start a business, and but they'd never run a business. They'd never really worked for anybody before in their their field of expertise. Maybe they'd had an internship. And so they didn't really know very much yet. And they build hourly. It's like, oh, I'll do your logo. And and usually they learn pretty quickly to do a flat price on a logo. But I'll do your logo. I'll work on your website. It's this much an hour. And maybe they would cap it, but they learned that way. Because what else were they going to do? Right. Yeah. Because uh, I was I was going to say that if someone came to me and was like, oh, you know, I, I just got out of school. I just got out of this coding boot camp. Um, 
what should I do next? And, you know, I'm thinking about freelancing. What should my rate be? Or, you know, is hourly billing really nuts for someone like me? I would say, for me, I would be like, just get a job at that point. I'd well, rather, they couldn't. That was the issue. They, right, a coder could get a job, but a designer, not so much. Yeah. So if, if jo- and my first advice is like, you're brand spanking new. You're not anywhere near an expert. You know you're not. You don't know anything about running a business. I'd be like, well, at least it, at least get good at your skill. And if you're going to do that, then go in-house somewhere where it's super safe. You know, you can really focus on the craft and just get good at that. And while you're there, pay attention to not just to the, 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 the kind of the quality of the work that you're doing, but the outcomes it produces for your bosses. And, and ask them about that and get good, start, start getting good at connecting your inputs with their outcomes. Like they're, they're be so excited about this new thing that you built. It's like, cool. Like, like, how's that going to make your life better kind of questions, you know, uh, and, and start to be thinking along those lines in an extremely safe, controlled environment. And while you're at it, you could start a mailing list, you could start a podcast, you could you could start doing marketing activities so you weren't starting from ground zero later on. But to your point, if there is no job and you're desperate, you know, then look, do what you got to do. Go work at Starbucks. if you, I mean, like go on Upwork, fine. You know, like do, but, do but whatever you want to do. A job is the preference, I think, because it teaches you even if it's with a small firm, it sort of teaches you about corporate in quotes. Um, so you figure out what you want to do, what you don't want to do, mm-hmm. the kinds of people you work well with, the kinds of people you want to throw off a bridge. Um, <laughs> you know, it's it's great when you can do it. And now, is, you know, it's a pretty good job market now, at least in the States. Yeah. Yeah. So so those those are the ones that have cropped up over the years is like I'm just really new to this space. It's not always young, uh, somebody young. It could be someone making a career change, you know, like um, Mm -hmm. for whatever reason, they, you know, I'm not going to be a lawyer anymore. I just want to be a software developer. I've I've seen that. So it could be that they're just totally new to the craft, the space, and, and they're overwhelmed with all of the learning curve stuff that applies to the craft or the discipline uh, that they haven't got the bandwidth left over to also learn how to price stuff or also know how to put together a productized service that would serve some market that they haven't even met yet. Mm-hmm. So that's that's a common case. It's, again, you know, I still I would like it better if they got a job job or if they started with at least offering a productized service in yeah. addition to doing hourly and, and not develop all the bad habits that come from and, and all the bad mindsets that come from trading time for money. Uh, the other one is corporates, the sort of high-flying corporate people that are going to go out and be a sort of true consultant, and they haven't been exposed to examples of anything other than hourly billing when they were hiring people. Yeah, and then the last one, or the first one we talked about was that that's sort of like, how do I transition off of this money spigot that I'm getting from agencies and platforms mm-hmm. that I can just turn on and off at will? Yeah, so those are my... So, it, so- hourly billing is really nuts it really is nuts <laughs> the thing the thing that i the thing that i don't want people to imagine is that that i don't think about hours at all i just don't think about them in terms of my pricing it's not yeah. right so that's one thing and the yeah. other thing is that 
cold turkey is unrealistic for almost everyone. So you usually need to have some kind of transition plan, whether it involves a full-time job or it involves, you know, transit, you know, transitioning or, or slowly decreasing your hourly client work over time. It depends on where you're starting from, of course, but eventually like I would like, I would like to see all people involved thinking about or currently billing by the hour that they see it at best as a transitional phase, that it's, it's something to escape from as quickly as possible if they have to dip their toe into it for some reason. And it's, you know, we, we sort of joked about it at the beginning, but it's so much easier to have that conversation with a new client as part of the deal you're working through with them than to try and convert your existing clients. <laughs> as, you know, they're, they're, if they're happy, they don't want to change. Yeah, especially in the agency, because that's probably their business model too. Like they probably ha- are, are billing yeah. hourly, so they don't even know how to think about it because they, they don't get it. Mm-hmm. So you, it's almost like you need to, ed- you're trying to educate yourself about it and you have to educate them about it. It's, it's usually easier to just find someone who doesn't like being billed hourly and would much rather have a price that the person would stand behind. Like who wouldn't want that, you know, but yeah. the, the, the problem with the buyer, agency, I like to know what I'm buying. That blank check thing just makes me nervous. Right. Right. But if you're working for someone who is billing hourly, they, you know, their clients hourly and they're just sort of marking you up and passing that along. It's a, it's a, it's a mismatch. It's a mismatch. They just like, Mm -hmm. "Ah, but we could get killed. Like they have all the same problems that, that people have when they're going direct to client, because now all of a sudden they're, they're becoming the client and they don't want to be the client. They want to be the middleman. Yeah. So they don't know how to be the client. They don't know how to be the, they don't know, they don't want to be the client. Where, you know, in other words, they would say to you like, well, in a developer scenario, say it's an, say it's like an ad agency, but they need, they need like a, a really fancy Gatsby event landing page or something. And it's beyond their capabilities. So they say, hey, what's your hourly rate? We want you to build this like fancy landing page for this event, uh, upcoming event. And they want you to say some hourly rate that's lower than their hourly rate. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yep. They're not prepared for you to say, well, I can do that for five grand. They'll be like. Uh, but <laughs> how, right? Well, so it depends. Sometimes they'll be able to call you an expense and just mark you up, but they're only going to be able to mark you up by five or ten percent, not a hundred percent. Yeah, it's not impossible to do. But here's the problem with doing that, though: it's not impossible to 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 have that conversation and have them say, "Yeah, we were thinking it would cost us roughly that much anyway on an hourly basis, or we we were thinking it would cost the client roughly that much." So, okay, let's do that. Now, the problem is if is you haven't talked to the client and the agency hasn't talked to the client in the way that you would need to to control the scope because the client is paying mm-hmm. the agency by the hour and so and the, and the agency has all the incentive in the world to increase the number of hours that they bill. So they'll take changes on that landing page until the cows come home because they get paid to do it. But then you're not getting paid anymore. They're getting paid right. and you, and you've got all these changes and you don't really have a leg to stand on in terms of like, well, we said that it was going to be $5,000 for this, that, and the other. And, and the, this, that, and the other is not specific enough to deliver a no and push back on the agency. Cause the agency yeah. is just going to say, but the client's asking for it. It, it just, it's just a total yeah. mismatch. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's interesting. And, and, you know, when you say agency, I get a different picture in my head because I'm thinking like an ad agency. 
And I've seen two kinds, the ones who want a flat rate and it's when they want a flat rate, it's usually a very specific production of some sort. And so sure. there's some writing, there's some art direction, there's some production. Um, but the, when they do hourly rates, they usually have a band of rates that is approved within the agency. And I'm talking big agencies, not yeah. the small ones. But and so it's really hard if you're if you're hourly, which is typically the only model, it's really hard to ever get paid more than this narrow band of, of hourly rates. And by the way, you will be the first one as a freelancer, as a contractor to be cut when things change. And so, yeah, I think it had a caveat in my, in my book about that. It's really, really difficult to make it as a freelancer with ad agencies. Yeah. So (laughs) yeah, it's, it's, it comes down to a misalignment of incentives, but that's a different show, I suppose. So, so yeah, there it is really nuts. It is actually nuts. Do you need to go cold turkey, or do you need to completely skip over that step? If you can, that's great. But you probably, you know, cert- you probably can't go cold turkey. You might be able to jump over with a productized service and never bill by the hour. I've met plenty of people who have never billed by the hour. Yeah, it's but, that cold turkey. I think is hard. Just. I think it's intellectually or emotionally hard because you're changing everything about what you do. I like the idea of experimenting with it. And then you go, oh, my God, this is so much better. And then it just accelerates the shift. And Mm -hmm. it's just a lot less angst through through the course of it. And and you teach yourself, oh, yeah, this really works. Yeah. Especially you especially can't go cold turkey if you've got a bunch of full time employees who are used to being built out by the hour, all of the structure and incentives that are built around the billable hour inside of the firm, it's, you got to go even slower. Oh, it's almost that like, makes my head hurt just thinking yeah. about that. That that's a yeah. that's an engagement process, and by that I mean you've got to get all of your people talking about it, thinking about it. it ugh. Yeah, <laughs> sounds like no fun at all. Yeah, I, I've the approach that I've seen work. I I, I would say more often. Maybe it's just my personality. I I like the approach where you start like a skunk works thing, where where you do you create a product or a service or something on the side with either just the just the founder or uh, the the top person or like a small crack team of like special forces types that are going to create really a new just a whole new thing inside of the current company and they're kind of firewalled off from everybody else and, and it's kind of like starting a new business model in growing a new business model off the side of an old one because mm-hmm. uh, then you get less pushback and uh, it's not you, you might even have a completely different website which i normally am, am against but if you do have a team you can pull it off if you if you've got people to delegate things to uh, you could pull it off but that's you know again that's just another example of like not going cold turkey and like what are the different approaches given various circumstances for weaning yourself off of the billable hour that's yeah, why being is. a soloist is so much easier. <laughs> I, I like it better. Yeah. I do like yeah. it better. Cool. All right. Well, have we feel like we've made our point? <laughs> yeah, I, th- I think we have. Yeah. So That was fun. So, yeah. So, dear listener, if you know someone who's thinking about making the leap out of a job into or out of college into uh, some kind of freelance or consulting career, forward this to them so they get a little bit of perspective (laughs) on what things will look like in two years. Exactly. Cool. All right. Well, that's it for this week. I'm Jonathan Stark. And I'm Rochelle Moulton. And we hope you join us again next time for The Business of Authority. 
Bye. Bye-bye.